0: Welcome to the Childcare Business Professionals Podcast. I'm Evelyn Knight. Hello, I hope you've had a wonderful week. Today I'm doing an interview, but before we get into that, I just have a couple notes for you. This interview was recorded live at my preschool, so there will be some background noise. So please just try to avoid it. In a couple instances, you'll actually hear my doorbell, but just try to ignore it. It is my first live interview, and doing it at the preschool does make it pretty much impossible to drown out that uh, the sounds from the preschool. We are also going to be dividing this into two different episodes. The second half will air next week. And you guys have got to tune in for next week's. We have a pretty deep conversation about mental health for early childhood professionals. And we really talk a lot about how tolling the job of a director and owner in ECE can become and just the stress and how overwhelming running a childcare center can be. And we really touch on the low wages and just the struggles that we face as EC professionals. So make sure you listen next week. This week, we will discuss quality rating scales and a couple different things like working with the state on accreditation and different things that are out there. So please enjoy this episode and be sure to join us next week for the second half. I am here today with Tiffany Olivas from the Nevada Department of Education. She is the Education and Information Officer. So Tiffany, tell me a little bit about what you do in your
1: job. Um, Well, first, thanks for having me. This is really exciting, my first time on a podcast. So so at the Department of Ed, um, my title is Education and Information Officer for the Office of Early Learning and Development. It doesn't really give you an idea of what I do, but basically I oversee the quality rating and improvement system for providers in the northern half of the state. There's someone just like me who does it for Clark County in in the southern in Las Vegas, and then we have a statewide administrator too.
0: Okay. And you know, our program here is a part of the QRIS system, which is the quality rating and improvement system, which you said. And uh, we absolutely love it. I know in the beginning, we talked a little bit about how my center was a little bit resistant. Mm -hmm. But since then, we have absolutely embraced it. And it has improved my quality tremendously. Uh, On a previous episode, I do tell my listeners how we started at a two-star rating, Mm -hmm. and I think that was four years ago. I can't even remember. It was four or five years ago. And now uh, we came in at a four... We're officially a four-star, even though we scored high enough to be a five-star, which you know is a bitter point for me. Yes, I do. (laughs) Which is also why we're going through NAC accreditation, so we can get that fifth star. So let's talk a little bit about the resistance you see in other... um, programs and similar to what I started with, the type of, uh, I guess, misperception people have about the program.
1: Right. Well, and I just want to add, you know, when you, um, I clearly remember when you got your first two-star rating, how absolutely devastated you were. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and your whole team of, of teachers. And it was just so overwhelming. And um, I came here and I drove here and we talked about it. Right. And it was really hard for you to say, this two star does not represent the quality that we're providing. Right. And it was just something, an ERS score or something. And it was just so upsetting to you. And so I kind of, we had to have like a little counseling session right. about yes. that's not really yes. representing the quality. Right. Your parents know. Um, and so I think that is a good example when people think about being rated. It's overwhelming because they don't think, I mean, who's going to come into my program and, you know, observe my teachers and look at my policies and my practices and say that I'm not quality? Because nobody wants to put themselves out there. Absolutely. It's it's a huge judgment call. And it's very public. Well, it is somewhat public. So um, I think... The idea of being like star rated is very overwhelming. And who wants to do that? You know, it's not an easy task to jump in and and go for it. Another thing is just part of the process is having people come into your programs and into your classrooms and do, you know, formal observations Mm -hmm. and write reports um, and just have coaches come in. I mean, that whole idea can be so scary right. to a teacher. And um and nobody again, nobody wants to, you know, allow people to come in, open your doors to strangers. And make changes. Yeah. Yes. And then, you know, be, you know, observed and these reports are written up and at one time, even back when you got the star rating, it was very negative. Right. It was right. like all the things that you did wrong, you got a paragraph about what you did wrong and, you know. Right. But then everything that you did well, you just got like a little black box marked. And so And that is just very disappointing. And it's certainly not anything that I really liked. But um, the the process of being observed and having strangers come into, you know, your teacher's classrooms for three hours and follow them around with, uh, you know, a laptop and write the entire time. It's intimidating. It really is. I, you know, and I, I actually began, before I worked for the Department of Ed, I was um, an Environment Rating Scale Assessor through UNR um, Cooperative Extension. So I was the assessor that came into the classrooms, oh, right. and I hated it. I mean, the teachers would just be so nervous and so, like, bummed out that their classroom got picked, you know, because right, it was a yes. random draw, and they would just be, like, frightened and... and <laughs> it just broke my heart to see those teachers, you know, feeling that way. And, um, I always, um, remind people that, you know, when you're being observed, you kind of have like all those chemicals firing your brain, like, I don't want to do this. I can't do right. this. Yes. I'm not competent. I can't, you know, I'm not going to do good. She's writing down all the things that I'm doing wrong. And so you're not doing your best job. Right. 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 Um, and so that was probably the hardest thing. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of the pushback is about just, having someone come in and do an observation. right, And to point out what you're
0: doing, which is, it's so hard. I know for me, that was one of the hardest things, but of course we had the most wonderful coach Mm -hmm. in the beginning, which was Mm -hmm. awesome for us. But uh, I think what was really tough for us is when we got that two star, it was based on um, a three minute mistake Mm -hmm. we made. And it actually wasn't even a mistake. It was just, um, we had left a child, In uh, I think it was like a bumbo for three minutes longer than the 20 minute allotted period. Yes. So it took us, so that was devastating that it was really tough for us to deal with because we, when you looked at the reports, it was like, are you kidding? Three minutes took us from a four to a two. Mm -hmm. So that was really tough. But since then you guys have changed, um, the scale that you're using, Mm -hmm. which I, we just went through the Eckers three, which I love the new program in the Eckers 3. And the reason I want to bring that up is because it sounds really scary that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to intimidate people out there when I say, yeah, three minutes took us from a four to a two-star, which the new standards seem to have taken those kind of things away. Right. It's definitely more based, I feel at least, like it's more based on our strengths. Mm -hmm. It's not so picky about those little you know, three minute periods like that. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely seems a lot easier to achieve. What yes. do you
1: think about? I do. I think, you know, the nice thing about moving to the latest edition is, You know, the environment rating scales, they've been around for a while, I think like since 1997 or something. But we have learned so much more about what quality is. And that knowledge is, you know, continuing to increase. And with time, we just know so much more. And I think that the authors of the book, you know, with feedback from providers and local QRIS administrators, Um, they've really made changes um, that make sense to them based on, you know, outcomes of the children and what really is quality. And so it's really nice, you know, that they are always continuously working on their quality improvement. And as a state, you know, we want the tools that we use for those observations to, you know, um, be the most up to date, but also um, reflect what's Going to benefit the providers,
0: right? Yeah. And I have to, as a provider. I think they're a lot more realistic now. Mm-hmm. It's as a private owner. Also, there were just certain things that we knew I we couldn't overcome. Like um, right. I couldn't overcome 100 of the group sizes and different things. So there is a little bit more flexibility, which makes it more realistic for us in the private sector. I think so. For those of you out there listening, uh, don't be afraid of if you, especially if you're familiar with the Eckers. R, the Eckers three is much. <laughs> much more realistic for us in the private. Yeah. It's not as intimidating, it's not as financially tolling as an owner and as a director, it's definitely more achievable.
1: Yeah, and just to add to that, I do think the nice thing about Eckers and Itters, the, the third edition, is that it gives a lot more power to the teacher yes. um, before uh, the observation, you know, your scores would be based on a lot of things that you couldn't control, like the space in your class. I mean, there's just a lot of right. things that a teacher right. is like, I have no, right. nothing to do with me. I can't, you know, yep. create space for an, whatever. And teachers can't control what supplies I uh, supply yeah, them absolutely. Right. So this um, has, you know, the E3 and the I3 is what we call them. They right. um, have so much more focus on interactions and actually, um, you know, what you do with the children While they're using materials in your classroom. So it gives the teacher a lot more power. It gives them
0: a lot more power, Mm -hmm. which that part can be a little bit scary for a director because you are, (laughs) especially for me, I'm a control freak. So when you know that you've got, okay, now it's all in their hands. Yeah, But at the same time, when you have a really well-trained staff, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be scary. It just, and it, one of the things we Teach here now. Is it has to be your everyday normal? I right. think a lot of people I talk to think that they can just put a performance on mm-hmm. on the day that the assessors come out. But we teach our staff now that nope, it has to be your everyday normal because mm-hmm. you, uh, for me as a director and owner, I can't go in there once it's happening. It, it just has to be right the habit, and then I'll have the confidence in my staff to know that I don't need to be in there. I don't need to be controlling every little thing. And I can't. I have six classrooms. I can't be in every one, although I would try if I could.
1: (laughs) And also, whenever, when I was an assessor, it was so obvious when a teacher was trying to change their practice. When they were faking it. When they were, quote, unquote, faking it. Because those children will give you away every single time. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Miss Tiffany, why are you doing that today? We don't do this. Why are we washing our hands when we come? You know, I mean, it's... they're full of questions, right? And, and they yeah. will call you out. They they're <laughs> great about
0: that. Well, and the other benefit I know from just the improvements we made between one assessment to the other, and just having my staff well trained and knowing what they were actually hoping to be assessed when our oh, wow. that yeah when yeah. our actual um, assessment time came. Uh, there was two of my classrooms that were really disappointed that they weren't picked. (laughs) And the ones that were picked were okay with it. So it is a huge difference. It takes that pressure off, I guess, when Mm -hmm. they're confident in themselves, they're confident in their abilities that they want to prove themselves. So that's another plus to really working with your coach and uh, trying really hard is that you get that confidence in your staff and it takes that intimidation. Um, Another technique we use here which uh, I hope this isn't bad for you guys, but I <laughs> offer up the center to have the practice um, I can't remember what Karen calls them, but the
1: reliability the reliability mm-hmm. yes, so I
0: they know my doors are always open. You guys can come do a reliability anytime and uh, the reason I do that is uh, first of all, it gives me a, a report I get the reports. I can see real time exactly how is my staff performing, where are our weaknesses, where do we need improvement? And the other benefit is my, my staff is so used to right. being observed yes. that when it's the real time comes, it's like second nature to them anyway.
1: Yeah. So.
0: They're not um, so
1: scared that they don't know what to do with it. Exactly. They're That's so awesome. familiar
0: yeah. with the assessors that they're, they have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I tell um, Sarah, our coach, too, like, you guys, anytime. Do you guys need to do any? <laughs> come on. We, and well, and Sarah will come and do just assessments all the time, too, because we ask her to. Yeah. And that way we know exactly uh, where we stand also. And that way, when it, the time comes, I'm not scrambling. And if we're just constantly keeping up with it, it's so much easier. Yeah, I agree. So, um, which is also making our accreditation process so much easier, mm-hmm. too. It's pretty, it, I can't believe how I expected it to be really difficult. But mm-hmm. I kind of look at it like, okay, what do we need to do? It's all ready.
1: You've been secretly in training this right. whole time <laughs> throughout QRS to, to, to be yeah, accredited. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk about um, the long-term effects on the children. What kind of effects do we see? Why? I guess what I'm asking is why do we want these quality improvements? What's the point mm-hmm. of it all?
1: Well, the, the point – so the, the point in all – you know, quality improvement is that your children will be ready to learn when they get into kindergarten right. or first grade. Um, but one of the points of QRIS especially is that those children who have an opportunity gap, which are typically the children who are living in a state of poverty, right. um, that those kids get the same opportunities for high quality childcare care and preschool and pre-K that all the other kids do from, you know, the wealthier families that can afford the nicest school in town. So, um, but ultimately, so like quality improvement, why does that lead to, you know, being ready for quote unquote, ready for school, which is something that we actually discuss all the time at the NDE, like what does that mean ready for school? So in my, this is just my opinion, but ready for school, ready to learn means that a child can enter into kindergarten with the tools that will enable them to focus on whatever material is brought to them so they can, you know, listen to a teacher um, for an extended amount of time, they um, can build a relationship with that teacher They're they have, they can have right. like a healthy um, relationship with a teacher. Um, they have some impulse control. Yes. Um, their social emotional skills, most importantly, um, enables them to be in small spaces with other children right. and just to be able to handle themselves. And so um, the whole process of being in a classroom is not so overwhelming that, they, that the lessons are lost you know exactly right yeah. so right yeah.
0: and if we start kids off in the right place if they enter elementary school on a positive note mm-hmm. they're not going to have that resistance to going to school they it'll right. actually help them love school instead of dreading it which in the long run can help them be more successful students mm-hmm. uh, and so our really our goal is to just prepare them to be able to learn instead of fighting to learn How am I going to socially handle this? How am I going to, um, I guess it's just so hard going to kindergarten anyway. Yeah. And on top of learning this new environment and being totally overwhelmed, we expect them to learn. Sure. So if we can give them those tools beforehand, then they're just ready to go in there and gain the information they need.
1: And be successful. Yeah. And if you can imagine... A child that doesn't have those skills who enters into school or you know kindergarten and is constantly you know getting in trouble. Yep, Um, that child is definitely going to dread going to school. Right, definitely not. And they're going to be labeled. And yes, it's it's a really it's you know it's a bad snowball effect there, and it it, it doesn't benefit anybody. Um, So yeah, I I guess we think you know that like. We do, early childhood professionals do all the hard work. Right. Right. Exactly, right. (laughs) And then we hope that when we give them to their kindergarten, you know, their new school, their new teachers, that they'll be able to take it from there and and those children will be successful. You know, we've laid the foundation without us. So that the kindergarten teachers don't have to focus on the hard work.
0: And they can just teach. Yeah. They can help the children learn. And it also helps the classrooms in general because instead of having a group of children that the teachers are constantly having to Discipline. work on behavior. Yeah. right? And the children that are prepared are losing out in that case. Mm-hmm. So if all children Good were point. prepared, yes. yeah, they could just focus on the teaching aspect. Yeah. it would, It's um, a novel
1: idea. Exactly. I really think that kindergarten teachers owe us a lot of yes. um, accolades for all the hard work that right. early childhood does. Yeah.
0: We, we actually have a great – here we, um, we have a great relationship with our kindergarten teachers. Uh, oh, we've gosh. actually gone out and established relationships with them just because that is our ultimate goal is mm-hmm. to make sure these kids are prepared. But I know we're in a small community, which mm-hmm. makes it much easier. It's, but I still think that um, early childhood programs could still go to their local – we're all within one neighborhood usually. Mm-hmm. And you know, so even if you're in a big city, you're still within a small community within that large community. Sure. So reaching out and working together is just huge to make sure the children do end up having those tools for success that they need. Agreed. Um, so one of the things we were talking about too, before we started recording is uh, a quote I told you that I, I'd written down. I can't remember where I got it from, but it's a great just, uh, and the reason I bring this up is because I think this is one of the reasons people resist quality improvement and things like the curious quali- uh, uh, program is because um, high quality looks like chaos within structure. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times teachers are used to such rigid daily schedules and they have to stick to that. You know, if, if their daily schedule says they go outside at 10 a.m., it doesn't matter how in depth the study you know that the kids could be doing at the science center is they're going to stop it they're going at 10 o'clock and also worksheets another one of my pet peeves they think that they have to do these worksheets and I think it's just this disconnect between uh it's they I guess they feel like if you don't have those worksheets if you don't have that really strict structure it feels chaotic Mm -hmm. so that's where I look at it as I totally agree with this quote the chaos is actually very structured because Mm. it may look on the surface like it's chaos but it's actually it's part of the plan right and it's actually a lot um i don't know it can be harder to pull off because if you are used to having a lot of control you have to let a lot of that go but it's easier in the long run because you do eliminate a lot of behavior issues And the children are actually learning a lot more. So is that something you see when they start the program that people just don't want to let go of that control? Absolutely. And I
1: think it's taught like it's it's something. It's like yes. I call it like the old school way yes. that we did early childhood. And I used to tell um, I when I used to do a lot more trainings, I would I would fess up to the fact that I thought my value. As a preschool teacher, was how well I can run a circle time. Right, you know, it's like get those yes. kids to sit, no touching, listen, pay yep. attention, be quiet, all that stuff. Yep. Um, so it was really hard for me because if that those things weren't happening, then I was feeling unsuccessful as right. a teacher. Now I realize, and you know, and I've had a lot of opportunity because you take me out of the classroom. Guess what? Yeah. I get to read about what's happening, the right. evolution that's happening in early childhood. The teachers in in the classrooms with our children they don't have the opportunity. So, um, but teaching them that you can have you can have a schedule, you can have a, a total plan. You can still, if you are that controlling type of person, you can still get yes that feeling yes, like yes. oh yes, I'm well prepared. I'm still I've got in control. Yes. yes, I'm still in control. But what you're allowing is for children to. Um, Learn at their own pace and um, pick up things that are of interest to them, and you're allowed to expand on them. Um, So it may seem chaotic, and I do love that quote. It may seem chaotic to the outside person, but it's not. It's it's actually very controlled. It's actually more controlled to a certain extent because you have to.
0: have plan- there's more planning to a certain extent that goes into it's all, it.
1: It's more difficult. Yes, it's a higher level of under, you know, and it, it again, it can be achievable by by everyone. It's just kind of getting out of that. Um, old school way, yes, which is very hard.
0: You definitely have to change your thinking, Mm -hmm. but when you see it in action and when you see that transformation, it is a game changer. I know that was a huge game changer for my center and some of my old school teachers really struggled with sure. it, especially telling them you can't force kids to circle time anymore. Mm-hmm. That was a huge like what? I can't make them sit down and, but we ended up finding out in the long run by making these changes that when you're doing circle time right, they will come. You don't Absolutely. have to force it. So it's a great way to evaluate yourself too. If mm-hmm. you constantly have to tell the children, you know, sit down, pockets on the floor, you know. This... Well then
1: it's not appropriate for them.
0: It's not appropriate. We're uh-huh. not doing it right. Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest tech- takeaways we got and the biggest improvements I I see that our kids still go to circle time. Mm-hmm. And so when I say like you can't force it, I know a lot of people yeah. listening are probably thinking, what do you mean I can't force my kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just picture chaos. They picture trying to do a circle time with half the room running around. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that. Once you realize how to do it correctly, they all want to be there. Mm-hmm. There might be one child who wanders off, but the rest of them are so interested in what you're doing, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, and But most of the time they all will be there.
1: So... And even if you have a child that wanders off, it's not that they're get not getting yes. the benefits of the of the yep. circle time. I think you know when I've observed classrooms that really have figured this process out. They, you know, they set up activities at a table and say, you know. Um, little Johnny is not in the mood for a circle time today. Right. That's fine because there are alternate activities that he can do. Right. But truly, he may be doing something with his hands to like be physical. He just needs, right. But he's able to listen right. better. And he's still absorbing. Yes. Yes. That's yes. my son. I have <laughs> uh, that was my son. I think that's my son too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'll tell you, I really
0: had to advocate for my son. My uh when my son was in the first grade. I, he had a teacher that thought there was something wrong with him for sure. And uh, it, he was and I, I kind of knew something wasn't he wasn't normal. like there was something not quite there, but I didn't think there was something wrong with him mm-hmm. and, because he was excelling and getting everything done, and he was a straight A student, but he was always getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. So she called Same. in a school psychologist. And uh, uh, they did a whole slew of testing on him. And then the psychologist started getting some suspicions, so they did an IQ test on him. And it turned out that he has a genius IQ. Oh, wow. And so it was one of those most redemptive mother moments for me yeah. was sitting in that room the day, and um, the psychologist actually told the teacher, well, you're just not doing enough to stimulate him. Exactly. So he's bored with you. He's bored, Exactly. <laughs> and it's, But it's kind of what we're seeing all the time is we expect these kids to fit in a box. Mm-hmm. And if they don't fit in our box, we assume something's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. After that with my son, I ended up getting it where... Um, they had to let him stand at his desk because he just always had to move his legs around Mm -hmm. and he could focus if he was standing. And it just seems like so minor, but it's amazing the power struggles I have had with teachers on just not wanting to let him stand. We are going to end it at that for today. Remember to join us again next week for the second half of this interview with Tiffany. And also, if you'd like to discuss this episode and any others, join our Facebook page. We have a private group at Childcare Business Professionals. I also have another page, The Childcare Business Coach. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about this interview. Thank you for joining me. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and let me know what you thought of this episode in the comments. You can also tell me what subjects you would like me to address for future episodes. And one last thing I would really appreciate a five star review. Don't forget to check out all the great resources on my website, www.childcarebusinessprofessionals.com.